The following audio is brought to you by the Davenant Institute and was recorded at Davenant House. To learn more about or to support the Davenant Institute, go to davenantinstitute.org and scroll to Get Involved. I am by training a historical and systematic theologian, though I hardly ever do those things anymore. So, uh, so I've been an academic administrator now for the last several years, and I spend most of my time investing in other professors. So I hire people, I fire people on occasion, I do paperwork, uh, but what I like to tell people is that I'm really mentoring faculty so that they can be more effective teachers and mentors of students, and so that's most of what I do. But back when I was a legitimate professor, and every once in a while, uh, I love the history of Christian thought, and, and I love systematic theology, and especially... Uh, I, I think there's great value in those things for the academy, but I really love it especially with practical application for life and godliness. And so I've always been much more interested in how do we connect the dots from that doctrine or that idea or the insights of that person to being more faithful in our walk with Christ or, or helping our church to become a healthier congregation or whatever the case might be. And uh, I love William Wilberforce and his circle of friends. So I don't know sort of what stream you're in when it comes to uh, the best way to educate children for your family and things like that, but we're homeschoolers. And, uh, and actually, our, uh, our homeschool academy, uh, which is the four children that we sired, um, this is not a big academy, but our homeschool academy, uh, we call it Clapham Academy because some of the values that we're going to talk about uh, this evening are the sort of values that we want our kids uh, to live out by God's grace as, as they grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and go out into whatever they're doing. So uh, the talk is going to be called Amazing Grace, Lessons on Cultural Engagement from William Wilberforce and his friends. But, uh, but what I want to do right now is just a pre-film introduction. So uh, these are just a few introdu- blah, 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 introductory remarks. Then we'll enjoy the film, more formal remarks later. But here's what I want you to know before we start the movie. First, a question, how many of you have seen the movie before? Okay, how many of you have not seen it in years? So, uh, I've seen it in the last week. <laughs> Wanted to rewatch it before we watched it here. But it's the first time I had seen it in seven or eight years. I've probably seen it a half dozen times, but it had been several years since I've seen it. Uh, the movie is about Wilberforce and the Clapham Saints, or sometimes called the Clapham Sect. They were a close-knit group of mostly upper-class Anglicans who were active roughly between 1790 and 1830. Uh, and that's not to mean they started on January 1st, 1890, and ended on December 31st, 1830. You know how historians do these things with dates, but more or less that generation is when most of them were active. They took their name, Clapham, from the London neighborhood in which most of them lived and worshipped during the height of their movement. And so uh, it would be like if somebody said that this was the Landrum Posse or something like that. So that's just where they were and where they congregated, and that was the name that kind of stuck. And the best known of these Clapham saints by far, and the unofficial spirit animal of the group, that's a theological term, was, uh, was William Wilberforce. I mean, he was the most famous, and he's the one. His energy kind of is what kept the group going and what drew people uh, together. He was a devout believer as well as a member of parliament. 
and he used his political platform to become one of the leading moral reformers of his era. Uh, Loved by many, vilified by many, but respected by almost everybody because he was in a nation that professed to be a Christian nation and he was an outspokenly Christian politician. And so even a lot of the folks who thought that he was a little bit crazy in particular views, they had the categories to understand why he was doing things. And they saw him as a a straight shooter and a consistent man of integrity. And, And some of that will come out in the movie. He is best known for the central role that he played in bringing about Uh, the end of the transatlantic slave trade and eventually slavery itself in the British Empire. Uh, The movie is really going to focus on one part of that story. And he remains a revered figure among evangelicals and other Christians who are committed to what I would just call faith-animated social action. And so uh, he's one of those figures. You find these people throughout church history sometimes. Martin Luther tends to be one of them. Uh, I think Wilberforce is one of them. I think Charles Spurgeon is one of them. That just kind of everybody likes them. Like even people that swim in different ecclesial streams, they just like them. And there's not a lot of people that say things like, well, I don't like him because he's an Anglican. Or I don't like him because he believed in infant baptism. Or I don't like him because he wasn't real clear in some of his theological categories. Everybody's like, I love William Wilberforce. So he just tends to be one of those inspiring figures who kind of transcends any particular denominational tribe. Though he is the most famous of the saints, uh, he's only one of them. There were several socially conscious evangelical lay people that were part of the group. His cousin, Henry Thornton, who was a banker, the renowned classicist and lawyer, Granville Sharp. If you've been to seminary, you may have learned the Granville Sharp rule whenever you're you're learning Greek, or if you've been homeschooled, you've learned the Granville Sharp rule. And then uh, the best-selling author, Hannah Moore. There were also several influential Anglican clergy who were connected to the saints. The most famous by far, John Newton, but also John Venn, if you've ever heard that name, Charles Simeon, very famous expositional preacher uh, during his time. And several of those individuals are going to appear in the film, sometimes in a passing scene, some of them off and on throughout the movie. Some other individuals in the film uh, would include the abolitionist Thomas Clarkson. He's a little crazy, but he and, he and Wilberforce were friends. Uh, Olada Equiano a formerly enslaved Nigerian who became an abolitionist after he was able to purchase his freedom as a young man, and William Pitt the Younger, who was Wilberforce's closest political friend but not very religious. And that's going to be an interesting part of the dynamic. Uh, Played in the movie by Benedict Cumberbatch before he was Benedict Cumberbatch. And so when my kids watched this for the first time this week, they are like, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. And we're like, yes, it is Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, I want, to keep, I want you to keep a couple things in mind. Uh, this is not a historical documentary. This is a classic based on a true story movie. And what that means is they do take some artistic liberties. The timeline's a little bit murky. I'll tell you it's covering 1780 to 1807, but that's not really clear in the movie. There are some minor historical details that are changed. 
we can talk about that a little bit later if you're interested in that. Uh, I, can t- I can point out some of them. But there's some minor historical details that are changed. But here's my favorite. In real life, Wilberforce was five foot one inches tall, while the actor Ian Gruffold is six feet tall. <laughs> the moral of that tidbit is that all of us will be played by actors who are taller and better looking than us one day whenever they make biopics of our lives. Uh, Hollywood gonna Hollywood. So uh, back to the movies, artistic liberties aside, Amazing Grace is an accurate portrayal of what I'm just going to call the grand narrative of Wilberforce's life and influence from the time he enters Parliament around 1780 until the end of the slave trade in 1807. So with that, let's start the movie. <laughs> 